And combine that with one other key thing. Um, I love growing up in Saskatchewan, but, but a fear that I had was maybe I was just going to be in Saskatchewan all my life. And when I, when I had the opportunity to take the ski instructor course, you know, was impacted by those two early course conductors. I also viewed it as a way to see the world because a guy like Scotty McWilliams, I'd heard his story that he worked in New Zealand in the off season. And to me, it was like, I went, this is my ticket. You know, this is, this is how I'm going to see the world, which is indeed true. Like that then. The next, the very next year, I went to I went to the mountains, and that's that's started my journey in the ski industry. So one of the things I find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? Well, hey there. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Doerstone. Check them out at Doerstone.com where they have a range of shorts, 100% organic t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, caps, beanies, sunglasses, and much more. And not only that, have a look at their blog where Rory and the team are doing some fantastic work around the globe helping disadvantaged families. So head to Doerstone.com and use the code LOTB15 for 15% off. Well, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome wherever you are, and welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today, we're going to take you on an audio adventure, and we're going to go, we're going to go across the pond, across the, uh, the, the, the Great White North to Vancouver, actually just north of Vancouver, to Squamish, and we're going to speak today to Perry Schmunk, the MD of the CSIA. So welcome, Perry. Thank you very much for coming aboard today, and uh, yeah, welcome to uh, Legends of the Brand. Great, Phil. It's, it's great to catch up with you. It's been, it's been a few years, so excited to have the conversation. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for the invite. Oh, well, you're more than welcome. I've been, I've been excited because I think there's obviously, uh, obviously being Canadian myself and just looking to reconnect kind of with um, the snow sport industry back back home. And uh, there's probably, you know, we have so many great people across the, the, uh, the snow sport industry. And uh, I figure I'll might as well have the opportunity to speak to uh, one of the legends, which is yourself. So um, for those people who perhaps don't know you uh, because uh, of being here in the UK or outside of uh, outside of Canada, tell us a bit about you and tell us a bit about where you're from. Uh, originally grew up at uh, high school, university in my younger days in Sus Saskatchewan. And if you don't know Saskatchewan, it's cold, it's flat, um, not a lot of mountains. You know, grew up typical kind of Saskatchewan kid, uh, played hockey almost every day of, of my youth. And then... Uh, yeah, and then I, I kind of, I stumbled into skiing, if you will, and, and maybe I'll get right into that story is, um, I wasn't a, a skier at the time, but I went to university and the thought at the time was to be, a, uh, I, I, what I wanted to do at the time was to be a high school phys ed teacher. And, and as a requirement, I needed a first aid course. And the first aid course that fit into my schedule was the Canadian Ski Patrol System was recognized or typical ones like St. John's Amateur were organized. I took the Canadian Ski Patrol System just because it fit. It, it happened to be on Saturdays, didn't impact with my, I had a part-time job, my classwork and so on. I was the only person there for the first aid. Everyone else was there because it was a way for them to get free skiing at the local little hill. Mm 
but but I started the socialize zone and the, but that's what got me into skiing because I took the first aid course, started hanging out with these people, and that that was the the first time that uh, that I went skiing. Fantastic. Because of that. It is um uh, now my I've I've never spent time uh, really uh, in Saskatchewan. I mean I've driven across it a number of times, <laughs> but is that uh, there's um am I correct in thinking one of the more uh, popular ones is there's a ski hill on the side of a riverbed or something like that or am I getting my there, there's a couple. Unfortunately, the the ski hill that I first skied at is not in operation anymore. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, but it was a place called uh, Mount Blackstrap, and it was built. I might get the date wrong. It was built for the 1971 Canada Winter Games. So it's on a valley, but then they built a mountain on top of it. Um, okay. You know, a mountain is uh, in quotation marks. But but uh, you know, having said that, it was a good little place to 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 learn sliding. Mm -hmm. The first time I went skiing, I was that kid from Saskatchewan. I was wearing jeans and a blue downfill jacket and, and, and went with my dad. And that, that was the first experience. And what is it that you feel kind of uh, clicked for you with that? Was it, what, what, what sparked your interest, do you think? Well, it was, you know, I mean, I, I obviously had friends that had done it and so on. And it, I, I liked the environment the, from the very first time to be outside, even in a Saskatchewan winter. Um, <laughs> which is saying so, a lot for people who've never been there. Yeah, which is uh, now granted, unfortunately, things have you know changed a little bit with global warming, but it's not, uh, I mean, I, I remember many days as a kid, like winter would be 40 below four or five, six, seven weeks at a time. Like it, you know, they, um, so you, you were hardy if you went outside, but I, I just like the whole experience right, right from, um, right from the get-go. And then, I mean, I'll, I'll go a little further. How I stumbled into the industry is, um, so I got involved with that, the, the ski patrol side of things, the volunteer organization, they, um, they were well-funded at the time. They, they sent me to a, a, at the time, a level two ski instructors course, like a CSA course, um, mm -hmm. happened at my local little hill, um, two course conductors that I still like, remember it like it was yesterday, uh, a guy by the name of Brad Herdebees and Scotty McWilliams, you know, taught the course. Keep in mind at this time I was in university um, and I was taking, you know, programs like uh, uh, courses to, to be a phys ed teacher. So that means I had activity classes, right? So I learned gymnast, like how to coach gymnastics, how to coach football, badminton, you name it, every, every activity under the sun. And then I had this opportunity to take this course with these two ski instructors and they were pros. They were as good as any university professor that I had. And, and I, I had good ones, you know, so I was like, I was blown away. Um, by their professionalism, how, how they just respected and, and dealt with their craft. And combine that with one other key thing. Um, I love growing up in Saskatchewan, but, but a fear that I had was maybe I was just going to be in Saskatchewan all my life. And when I, when I had the opportunity to take the ski instructor course, you know, was impacted by those two early course conductors, I also viewed it as a way to see the world. Because a guy like Scotty McWilliams, I'd heard his story that he worked in New Zealand in the off season. And to me, it was like, I went, this is my ticket. You know, this is, this is how I'm going to see the world, which is indeed true. Like that, then the next, the very next year I went to, I went to the mountains and that's, that's started my journey in the ski industry. That's fantastic. I love that. I, I hadn't realized that. I mean, it, it is, I mean, skiing sometimes conjures up a, a lot of, of, you know, romance in terms of, uh, you know, travel and everything like that. I know sometimes when you, when I think of skiing, uh, I sometimes have these images of you know, like the 1960s to a certain extent, you know, or perhaps it's in the Alps with kind of the, the big turtlenecks and the kind of the long skis and the fireplace and everything like that. And 
probably been watching far too many James Bond movies, but um, that's kind of that's kind of sometimes what I think about that. So, in the grand scheme of things, though, you actually came to skiing uh, quite late, perhaps compared to a lot of people, really. Um, but um, that hasn't held you back, which is fantastic. Um, and then after you did your your level two and you did that, I mean, when did you decide that that was going to, or you know, talk us through the the journey where you decided. I wasn't going to be a phys ed teacher anymore and perhaps go a little bit more down the, the line of, of um, ski instruction. Well, I guess in, in total fairness, if you will. Th- so for sure, as soon as I, you know, I was successful in that course, I got my level two for sure. I like, I was determined I'm going to the mountains. I'm going to try and get a job in the mountains. Um, at that point in time, I didn't know maybe if that was a year off or a two year off thing, but as mm-hmm. it turns out, no, I, I like, I never turned back. I, I, I never uh, I never went back. So I got one of the things, and I'll tell you again, I'm a bit of the politician. Yeah, I can tell a bit of a story. So the, uh, two other things is one of which is, so I take this level two course. And at the time, there was a gentleman, well, he's still got his name, Joff Booth. He was studying law at the at the University of Saskatchewan. And, and one day he skied at this local little hill. And everyone said, oh, that's Joff Booth. He, you know, ex-inter-ski team member and whatever. And I watched, I remember to this day watching him ski and I watched the track his skis left going up a bump like a mogul and I thought oh, man someday I want to do that and that led to this at the local video store so I'm dating myself it's VHS video store I rented a movie um, movement and motion which was a 15 minute clip it's it's legendary in in the Canadian Ski Instructor Alliance uh, folklore but it, it was it was a, a you know a 15 minute movie made by Warren Miller on the demo team in their lead up to the Interski in Sesto, Italy. I watched that thing a thousand times minimum. Wow. And then and then that led me to, so the, and, and I, I knew all the names on the demo team, guys like Joff Booth, Mike Fedor, Rob Butler, uh, Diane Culver, like I knew everybody. And then when I went to apply for, um, for um, the, you know, the job the next year, I knew in Banff, I knew that Don Corvin was the ski school director at Sunshine Village. I knew Don Bilodeau was the ski school director at Lake Louise and so on. I went, oh, again, I like, that's where I want to go. Cause I want to work with, with one of these guys. It, this was back in the day of a hiring clinic. So there was, I think there was 110 of us applying for maybe 14, 15 jobs across the four ski schools, which was Lake Louise, Sunshine Village, Norquay and, and club ski, uh, mm-hmm. the joint program also known today as, as ski big three. I picked Sunshine Village at the top of my list because I think they were looking for eight instructors where the next one was looking for five. And I just thought this kid from the prairies, my, I'm going to play the numbers here. My odds are better. <laughs> and then, then, then I got lucky, you know, so, so Don Corvin, also known as KJ in, in our industry, was my first ski school director. I got that job at Sunshine Village and, and away I went. You know, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of work, but there sure the heck was a lot of opportunity to train. Um, you know, I got a chance to ski with Don, you know, his training manager at the time was a, a level four by the name of Shinsiki and, and, and the culture in this ski school. I mean, people like Steve Smart, Janice Morgan, I, again, I'm Dave Pickett, I, I, the list is, I'm for sure going to leave people out, uh, but the list is long. And I, of that ski school of whatever it was, maybe 30 people in, in that day, um, this is like 1985-ish, I'm, I'm making the year off a little bit. Uh, how many went on to get their level four is probably an insane number because we trained 
from first lift, you know, through session to last lift at 4.30 um, every day. Um, and, uh, and maybe just to finish that part of the story, that year, then I went for my level three in the spring. That was back in the years when, when most of the courses were, were held in the spring, held at Sunshine Village. I mean, they were massive, like, you know, a level two, a level three, a level four, all going on at the same time um, and, and got my level three in that year. And, and again, I never, I, I never turned back then. I didn't get to go to New Zealand the very, that very summer, but the, by the next summer, then I, then I uh, threw a connection at the ski school. Uh, Alex was her name, you know, I got a, a job uh, and then worked in Turo in New Zealand. So, you know, I did the back to back thing for a few seasons, which was great. I also worked for Dawn in the shoulder seasons doing some of the marketing work. So, you know, I was very much involved in the marketing of ski resorts long before the internet which meant travel, right? Like it meant, it meant consumer shows, group shows. Um, in, the, in the spring each year were group shows. In the fall was, um, was consumer shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, there might be the odd person uh, listening to this that, that are over the same era. And, and everybody's done the Prairie Roadshow circuit where we did like <laughs> whatever, 20 cities in 20 days. Um, yeah. And Anyway, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a great era. It was a great, uh, I, I feel very fortunate to get involved in the ski industry at the time that I did. That's brilliant. I'm, I'm curious to find out, um, obviously, you know, you said there wasn't, quote unquote, a lot of, perhaps a lot of work initially, but um, why did you enjoy learning? Why did you enjoy learning and training so much? Well, you know, that's a really good question. I grew up, you know, I was fairly active, right? Like I grew up, like I mentioned, hockey, football, like I grew up playing sports. And then when I got involved in skiing, skiing and ski instruction, I went, well, this, I can play sports for the rest of my life. So this is, is highly appealing to me and the ongoing learning of it. Like it's, and, and to this day, I mean, you fast forward, it's the whole, the greatest thing about skiing is it never ends. You can, you know, you can always, you know, wrestle with thoughts feelings, you know, approaches, um, skiing different conditions like that life learning process. It, it's just such a great sport in that way that it's never ending. Right. And that, that appealed to me, the fact mm-hmm. that like I could do it and still do it. And, and maybe I'll get to uh, another part later, but cause you know, in, in my history, I did leave the industry completely for 12 years, but that, that might come later, but uh, you know, earlier, like it's just something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed um, the camaraderie, you know, I talk about those early ski school days, like we were a tight group, we worked hard together, we trained hard together. And in every, every organization that I've been involved with since, I've tried to replicate that same camaraderie you know, and, and work together, that same spirit, uh, for sure. Like it, and, and um, that is one of the best byproducts of being involved in this industry. It's not, it, I mean, don't get me wrong, sliding on snow is unbelievably great but it's also, it's also the camaraderie yeah you know like the the you know um the spirit amongst the, you know friends that ski it's it's that it's the bond i mean skiing is the bond that has us all together but but it's those friendships and relationships that are that are top of the list because it's you know, it's, you, know you sometimes think that um you know you might uh skiing is that that link that pulls people from across um across the divide, whether it's your, your, um, your industries that you're in, whether you're perhaps a lawyer or a doctor, perhaps you're, you know, it doesn't matter what you are, but skiing is that one commonality, which brings people back together. And then obviously you can take your own aspects and, and, and uh, perceptions and, and uh, perspectives of your industries and stuff like that and kind of blend it out from there. Um, 
with uh, with regards to kind of you mentioned about learning and then obviously sharing a little bit, I was kind of thinking it almost feels like um, uh, that when you go to learn something like a sport of skiing, initially you start off and it's about it's about you. It's about you, the individual, learning about um, an activity, getting yourself better, and then producing uh, results to make yourself, you know, ski better down the hill. And then you, perhaps it kind of comes to a bit of a crescendo, but then your learning then continues to increase when you actually flip it around. It's actually when you start to share and yeah. you start to become a teacher. So, um, because you've probably seen in, in your career, and I would imagine across, you know, where you have people who really, really want to learn, but they kind of go down their personal rabbit hole as opposed to then coming out the other side and continuing to learn by sharing. I wonder wonder where that was for you in, in your journey in terms of when you discovered that actually I love learning, but I actually almost enjoy sharing as much. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that, and I, I, there's a quote to that effect, right. Which I like, if you, if you want to learn something, mm. prepare to teach it, right. Like it's, it's something to that effect, but I, I believe it to be true. Cause if you really, you know, want to wrestle with your, you know, like improving on something yourself is learn how to teach it. Right. Cause it'll, 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 it'll cause you to, to dig into some of the, the essence of, of the activity a little deeper and so on. So I, I 100% agree with that. It's like, I don't think the person that probably teaches it may evolve quicker than the person that doesn't. Because if you're trying to um, relay your thoughts and feelings, um, it, it might force you to be more precise, you know, with your own thoughts and then in the sharing of that, because um, it can't be just something that you internalize, right? Um, so I think, you know, when you wrestle with an idea, ultimately you get better at it. Like, you know, so, um, you know, cause uh, you know, like, you know, this is one question that comes up. Do you need to be an amazing skier to be a ski instructor? Uh, for sure. It wouldn't hurt. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of obvious, but, but I think if, and again, not to paint, make any absolutes, but the thinker, you know, the person that, that wrestles with how do I convey this? What am I feeling when I do this? What am I trying to accomplish all that stuff? Um, is probably the person that will have a uh, maybe a little more success in conveying those to someone else. Yeah. So what's it, the thinker, feeler, watcher, doer? That sort of mindset in terms of, of, of people, I guess, when they yeah. when they when they try try to learn. So um, you obviously spent a bit of time. Then you traveled a bit, and I mean, um, uh, I know you from uh, the times at Whistler Blackcomb. So. Uh, can you take us on the journey that takes you up to Whistler Blackcomb? Because you were there for, was it about 12 years, was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, a little uh, less than that. Well, in, in the first iteration. But so um, maybe just to go back a little bit, chronologically. So, you know, I was working uh, for, for Don Corvin, Sunshine Village. Got, you know, the, the first year there, I got my level three. Um, the next year, I got my, at the time, which was a prerequisite, the level two coach. I got that. I tried the level four that year, um, was unsuccessful. Um, but got some 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 really good succinct uh, um, feedback at the time. Went back and got my level four the next year. Then uh, I transitioned. I became the assistant ski school director at what, again, what is now known Ski Bikree, but at the time was known as Club Ski. Then the ski school director job. Um, what I find I, I was really fortunate is at the time in Canada, um, Whistler was starting to explode, if you will, and that a lot of the the um, call it the talent or the course conductor depth in, 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 the, in Western Canada at the time started to move west, but I, I was um, still in, in the Banff area. And I got, because of that, I got kind of lucky. Like, um, you know, I got lucky in that I was able to do um, probably more to do with just luck and timing than, than me personally, which is I got a chance to do a lot of level two courses, right? Which, so 
and and once you know once I got in there and actually you know got to practice the craft and I got to practice that craft under 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 some unbelievable people uh Martin Olson Norm Kreutz Dave Hay you know again all in it all goes back to that movement and motion like who was on the list there you know and some of those so I had, I had a chance to to study if you will and work under some again some of our our organization's icons and that was just a really valuable learning thing for me this is how i ended up in whistler is at the time so you know i'm 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 doing them you know i work and run the ski school in in the winter in the shoulder seasons i i do the marketing which again in those days a lot of that meant travel right and that meant travel it meant us and other resorts were in the same place at the same time I got to know uh, a guy by the name of Andy Cohen, who is now the general manager of, of Fernie, longtime ski industry guy. And at the time, he was he was at Blackcomb, and he he said to me more than once, "Ah, oh, you should move out to to Blackcomb." Again, this is prior to the merger; it's it's the the place to be. And I thought, "Ah, nah, you're crazy," but but eventually, you know that that seed that he planted, um, you know, it it made sense, and and ultimately. Um, uh, and, and ultimately grew in my brain. And then, then there, an opportunity came up to uh, be the training manager at Blackcomb again, long before the merger, um, which I took that job. And, and it was indeed a really exciting time um, to be in Whistler. Cause you know, like, like Whistler, you know, yeah. it was, you know, it, it, the, the stage was set for it to really take off. Um, starting as the training manager at Blackcomb, became the ski school director at, um, at Blackcomb, you know, and those were, those were cool times, you know, the, the management that I reported at the time was quite uh, generous in, in allowing me to, you know, because we did a lot of research trips. So you spent a lot of time, especially in Colorado, um, you know, where I, I, again, met some, some industry icons down there. They were pretty um, liberal in sharing, you know, things that they did, that they worked and so on. Um, and, and, you know, we, we did some cool things in Blackcomb and, and when, at the time, the ski school was run on the whiteboard, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully. That was it was actually a fairly sophisticated system, but the whiteboard was there, and that's where you got your assignment. and And there was little, you know, if a T meant there, that meant the lesson started at the top, and you know, and a base meant the lesson started at the finish, and it, and and the whole thing was run on a whiteboard. The danger of that is if somebody walked against the whiteboard and brushed it, <laughs> there goes all the lessons for the day. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, I say that because it's funny because this, the whiteboard was the, the, the ground zero for us building the first uh, resort. It was called Ross Resort One Stop Shop, mm -hmm. you know, which, which, which was that, right? Like it was the first um, computer program that ran the ski school, which again, not to worry, but it meant everything, right? Like it meant mm -hmm. like how an instructor was scheduled, how it was sold, like all those things, um, which was kind of a big cool ground level project to, to be part of um, you know you fast forward um, the you know then the merger happens and it, and it was the the system you know the, the computer mm -hmm. system on on from the black home side which was the mother company at the time was interwest that then went across them um, you know to, to to both ski schools i was lucky enough to end up you know in a senior role even even post the merger those were cool times too you know like the culture was great you know you know, a very healthy competition between Blackcomb and Whistler before the merger. And then when the merger happens, it was cool to, to um, whatever, merge those two cultures. And, and those were exciting times, like, you know, that we were all um, working together. So anyways, my, my time at Whistler was really exciting, you know, in terms of, because it grew, right? And, and the spirit in those early days was fairly entrepreneurial. 
um, we, we hit those, those uh, benchmarks that were given to us, if you will. So I'll say it, there was, there was quite a bit of freedom because mm-hmm. of our, our, our business success and, and, and it, was, it was a good time. Do you have, um, when you reflect back, is there, it's probably tons of wonderful experiences, memories, but do you have a moment that you were perhaps secretly most proud of uh, in those years? One thing it came, it came to, uh, sorry, it came to a focal point one year is we, we had a year end party. Um, we did these things called payday parties, you know, that were a good team building experience. We had videos that were funny and engaging and so on. And, and it came to a focal point. This might've been the first or second year after the merger where the year end party was in, you know, in the biggest ballroom of, of the Chateau Whistler and everybody was there. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, it was, it was just a really good spirit, a really good culture. I remember uh, some of the executives, both at, at the Black Home, at the Whistler Black Home level and the Interwest head office, uh, you know, I invited them to the, um, to, to the meeting and they were sitting in a, in a back room on one of the tables of eights and, and some of the funny things that went, uh, went on. I mean, there, there was literally people rolling on the floors um, with laughter with some of the, the hijinks and stuff. So that, that was a pretty cool moment. And again, it just, it, it just, it just came to a focal point at that point in time, but th- those are, those were all good times. And, you know, I'm, I'm still thankful to this day of, of the relationships built from, from those days, you know, and, and, I, I still, um, you know, when I get a chance to ski at Whistler still now with, you know, I, 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 ch- I cherish um, my connection to the physical resort and, and for sure all the relationships and, and the, you know, and the, the friends that, that are still there from those early days. So yeah, it was, that was cool. That's brilliant. I was, uh, interestingly, or ironically today, I was uh, chatting to a, a friend of mine here in the UK who um, we met at, because they were um, customers and, and guests with us at Whistler Blackcomb. And uh, for a number of years, they used to fly out to, 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 join, to join me to, to, to ski uh, with me. And as the years have gone on, we've continued to stay friends uh, throughout here in the UK. And our, our, our kids have kind of grown up together to a certain extent, which is fantastic. And ironically, today gave me a quick, uh, quick chat on the, And we, we actually talked uh, talk about Whistler itself and saying, do you remember this? And do you remember that? So it's fantastic to see that it's, it's this common bond that kind of pulls a number of people together. Um, and then, uh, obviously, you know, you had a number of years there and you moved on to, um, was it the, the big three, uh, the big yeah. three. And for people who don't know what the big three are, perhaps you just give us a, an overview of what the big three are and what you did there. Sure. Um, so <clears throat> ski big three. So it's, it's the, it's the three resorts of Lake Louise, Sunshine Village and, and Mount Norquay. Um, some people may not know this. So what, what they, they work together under, under a joint venture agreement. So outside of the local market, you know, they, they, they sell a product that's collective, right? So if somebody I, from the UK or, or wherever was going to ski to Banff, you'd probably come buy a ski big three, you know, or, or a tour operator. So you'd come, you'd stay in a hotel in Banff, you'd have a lift ticket that's interchangeable, you know, so that you would get some time spent at each one of the resorts uh, throughout the time. So in, um, so that's what ski big three is. So it's, it's that, it's that, you know, they are independently owned, uh, resorts in some markets like like you know local close to home in Calgary when it comes to season passes for sure they're they're competitors there's no but but you know outside of that they're they work together uh, under the under this bigger uh, product I went uh, so when I went after Whistler I, you know I went back to um, to Ski Big 3 or you know at the night the full name was Ski Banff Lake Louise Sunshine 
<laughs> uh, went there, you know, and and was involved in the ski school, and then took on an additional role of uh, business development, um, which again was was both um, the ski school um, still reported to me at the time, but then was also some of these um, these marketing things. And and now, <laughs> timing wise, now we're transitioning. So definitely still had um, sales managers responsible for markets defined by geography, if that makes sense. Yeah. Then, but then also, you know. Um, the internet is now a thing. So, you know, they're um, definitely, you know, a team associated, you know, directly with our online presence and selling through the online capability and so on. So that, um, that's, uh, and that, that, those were good times as well, right? Like there was, um, that, that was fun. It was fun to, to take on that uh, um, marketing role. And we did some, we did some, we did some cool stuff there too, you know, like, and I mean, not to, I mean, one example, you know, some things that, you know, strike, me personally is we had a marketing relationship with the Houston Texan football team. Oh, really? Um, why? Well, because Houston, Houston, Calgary had good air connection, right? Because of the ties to the oil and gas industry. So it was also a market that we focused on from skiing wise because the lift actor, you know, when I say lift access, the air access was there. So we had, you know, and that, you know, so we did some creative marketing things, one of which was uh, um, a, a, a relationship with them. Um, uh, the Houston Texans. Which, that's incredible. That's good. I mean, I'll, here I'll tell I'll tell a story. Yeah. So because of this marketing relationship, uh, a few of us, you know, myself and, and some of the owner, literally owners, um, you know, senior people from the ski resorts, we got invited to a Houston Texan football game, and because of this partnership, we got access to the field before the game. There's probably I'm going to take a guess and 100 people that get access to the field before the game starts and you're walking around the field and again there's this kid in me that's at heart like you know being around <laughs> sports team and whatever and it and it's just um, it, it's just you know I, I'm living the dream there being on the field walking around the, the players are warming up and so on and we get to walk around you know the field literally and then then this guy comes around and he starts marshalling us like as the time is is about to you know start they they marshal you off the field i look across the field i'm with a guy from sunshine village he's still there donnie Boyu, uh, at the time and i said don that's george senior so on the other is is, is uh um george senior like the president and, I, and i'm going that's let's go see if we can talk to him and and i'm thinking full well that we'll get marshaled away by secret service there's no way they're going to let us get near him really? but we we um, we get we walk right up to him. I introduce myself and I'm 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 tugging on Donnie's. Get a picture of this. Get a picture of this. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and uh, anyway, so you know, I just uh, I I opened it up for discussion. I said like I'm near the area because the G7 was in Kananaskis at the time. So oh, that's how I opened yes. up uh, how I opened up the conversation. And then we get through the tunnel. And, and everybody happens to be going this way in the stadium. I don't know if you can see this visually, but yeah. you know, everybody's kind of going to the right, but it just so happens that our box and George W, George Sr.'s box, sorry, George H is, is the other way. So he gives us a ride on his presidential golf cart through the- No way, that's incredible. The, the benefits of the, or the bowels of the Houston Texans uh, um, uh, stadium. So anyway, it's a long story to say, in, in the ski industry has given me some really cool opportunities that, that I cherish. And that was one, you know, crazy story. Wow. That is incredible. That's that. I think that pretty much that's, that's yeah, I'm pretty much I'm done. Right. Mic drop. I'm out. <laughs> that's brilliant. Wow. So um, 
Yeah, don't know. So where do we go from there? Um. <laughs> well, you know, it's so I mean, maybe uh, I mean this this is the part that you know, if you don't mind, Phil, that I, that I'd share a little bit. So you know, at this point, and you know, it, uh, you know, after that story, you know, a couple year, more years pass, and so at that time, you know, as all of my time had been spent in the ski industry, which I loved and cherished, and, and then I got a bit of a inkling to you know, I, I thought my resume had lots of depth, but not a lot of width, uh, and I thought you know it was time to 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 challenge myself and get and, and get some growth so I, I i didn't leave the ski industry I, I applied for a job in vancouver and got it i worked uh, um, at the metropolitan hotel in vancouver um it was the, my first job ever outside of the ski industry other than like some part-time kids in high school um, and it was my first time living and working in a city um so i i i worked at the met hotel and i don't know who's going to listen to this but i'll share this story I get a job there, you know, as director of marketing, which, you know, is kind of in my wheelhouse because I'd, I'd marketed resorts and so on. Then there was a change in management. The, the general manager that I uh, reported to at the time uh, was let go. And I didn't tell anybody that I didn't know, have a clue on how to run a hotel, but I was, I was, I was given the reins of the hotel. Um, but, I, you know, I knew how to, yeah, I mean, and this comes maybe back to the philosophical thing, like, you know, I mean, in, when you work in the ski industry and in ski school, you know how to deal with people and so on. So I, mm. I, I didn't, um, I kind of fumbled my way through this. I'll tell, uh, and I'll tell this part of the story too, is um, uh, high-end hotel, you know, especially mm. at its time, like, you know, refined service, a, a great product and so on. And we were talking through one VIP guest arrival and, and their dinner and, and the chef said, well, of course, you know, we'll do an amuse-bouche. And I'm going, of course, of course we'll do an amuse-bouche. <laughs> I'm not, I literally, again, early days of the internet. I had to go Google it. What's, what's Google? You know, yeah. What's an amuse bouche? And, you know, but I, 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 there was many occasions where I'm like, well, like of course, <laughs> when I had no clue what I was uh, um, uh, getting into. But so, and, and then that led to, but that job then led me to, um, you know, then I kind of got headhunted to a hotel in Tofino, which uh, I don't know, if, you know, some of your visitors may, or some of your, your listeners may not know Tofino. It's a it's a small little uh, um, community on the west coast of Vancouver Island, like the you know the very west of of, of our country. Um, I'd never been there before getting the job offer, but went there and and went. Um, oh my God! This how, nobody knows about. I, two things is one I fell in love with the place. Two of which is I saw an opportunity because I thought, well, nobody knows about this place. There's a huge opportunity here, um, and it was it was magical. Let me go back for one quick uh, second. You know, I talk about movement and motion and so on. The, 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 the coach of that team was a gentleman by the name of Andre Schwartz, another, you know, mentor of mine, both from the ski instruction point of view and the hospitality point of view, because him and his brother, George, owned the Post Hotel in Lake Louise, which if you've never been, you got to put it on your bucket list. Yeah. It's just an iconic place. And anyways, when I, when I saw this hotel um, that I had a chance to, to take the job as general manager in Tofino, a um, place called Long Beach Lodge Resort. It reminded me a little bit of, well, this is kind of like post hotel meets the beach, right? And and again, those, you know, those early days um, seeing Andre and George's product made me intrigued about, about this opportunity. Uh, so then, you know, I, I, I moved to Tofino, moved my family to Tofino, um, took that job. And it, that was a cool era as well because Tofino was fairly young in its evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, one of my main competitors, uh, a guy by the name of Charles McDermott, and and he his his family and he runs the the Wiccan Inish Inn again. World like it's always 
in the top three list of, of hotel resorts and candidates always up there right like and and the post is there and the wick is always is always there they, they just run a again a, a place that should be on your bucket list well in those early days under charles leadership you know so he there was no you know go back for a second you know, I, I lived in Banff. I lived in Whistler, where there was a tourism Whistler. There was a, uh, it's called the Banff Lake Community Tourism Bureau. Like there was these bodies that were designed to market the destination. In those early days when I got to Tofino, tourism Tofino was just getting its legs underneath it. And Charles, who, who kind of instigated that with the, the other hotel community, was its first chair mm-hmm. as tourism uh, Tofino. I was lucky enough to follow in his footsteps as the second chair ever of, of Tourism Tofino. So we, um, you know, we did some things to, you know, to unify the community and work together to, to build and protect uh, the, the tourism industry. That led to some really cool things like, uh, and th- these were like iconic things, is we through a partnership with O'Neill, O'Neill, the wetsuit manufacturer, um, brought a, an event called the Cold Water Classic to Tofino twice. Um, which would be kind of the equivalent in skiing to having, you know, almost a World Cup level mm. event. And, and we've had it. Yeah, because Tofino, from my understanding, I'm not a surfer, but it is, is yeah. quite a well-known surfing location in West Coast Canada, isn't it? Well, and, and I'll, let me f- finish the story, because <laughs> on that note, so, you know, we get, um, you know, with the, the partner, so Tourism Tofino's partnership with O'Neill, we get the Cold Water Classic to come to Tofino, um, you know, gets press from around the world. To the point that I'm, I am, I am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this with pride. To the point that Outside Magazine, this was the exact quote: "the the surfing capital in North America is in Canada. Who knew?" And it's referring to Tofino. So it, you know, some of those events in those early days, it put, it, it really. Well, I can't say it put it on the map, but it almost put it on the map, especially from, uh, from the surfing culture. And and those were, those were really exciting times too, because the community you know, banded together to make that happen. When you, when you hold an event like the Coldwater Classic, and I remember the final on, on one of the bays called Cox Bay, um, every person in town was on the beach. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that you, there's no end. And it was a Cinderella story too, right? Because the, the first win ever went to like a, a hometown boy, like Peter DeReed, he won it. Like it, it was a Cinderella story. Like it was the coolest uh, thing ever. And that, that, was, that was a great, a great era. And one last part to the Tofino story. So my involvement with with tourism Tofino meant I was often in the local municipality council chambers advocating on behalf of um, of the tourism industry. Um, and that kind of led me to, and then I'll tell one more story. So my son, Tofino doesn't have a lot of infrastructure, right? Like if you're not into surfing, there's basically the school gym. And there was a disagreement at the time between the school board who owned the facility of the school gym and the municipality who ran after school programs. Uh, and and the, the, the result of that is that my son couldn't play floor hockey. Then there was a, an upcoming election for, um, for a new council and mayor and so on. And, and you combine my, you know, so I, I come from the industry point of view and, and advocated for industry. And this, some of this local thing where my son couldn't play floor hockey, I thought, well, there's got to be a solution to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me to, to run for uh, political office, um, which was, again, a, a real cool experience. It was great. To, um, I'll, I'll say this, like I had, I had no idea how rewarding and fulfilling community service was. 
-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't have guessed, but it, it, it was truly great. Of course you have naysayers, right? Like if you, if you, when you step up to a political role, there's going to be some people that aren't happy with you do, but for the most part, people were really um, appreciative of, of the efforts that you made and that, that, um, that community service, you know, will, will stick with me forever and, and impact a lot of my perspectives going forward. That's, that's brilliant. Well, because you, obviously you were, mayor, you were mayor there for two years, was it? Yeah. Got yeah. a couple of years. And um, I don't know whether uh, it's probably not something you would toot your own horn about, as, as they say, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say mention that obviously, I think probably through a lot of the work you did through there, did you not also receive the Queen's Jubilee Medal as well for all your, your community work? I did, I did, um, which I was fortunate that. And again, I not to be too long with it, but there, there like some real cool experiences happened in Tofino uh, for sure. One of which was um, in around that time, which uh, I should remember that I think it was um, well, it was October twenty seventh. I think the year was twenty twelve. It was so the a couple of things is one of which is when I was involved in Tofino. If everyone goes back, the, the Japanese, the devastating Japanese earthquake and tsunami happened. Mm -hmm. Some of that um, um, debris ended up on Tofino beaches. I made some comments to that effect uh, to the press. And, and then that got, that got the, so the Japanese government sent a delegation over um, to Tofino to, you know, to, to thank us as a community and all the rest of it. But I remember having this, uh, this uh, dinner with, with the Japanese delegation. And at the time I was mayor. Uh, and, and I thought to my, I asked some selfish questions, like mainly what lessons did they learn? Because, you know, Tofino is, it's a beautiful place, but it's susceptible, right? Like it's, it's, it doesn't have much elevation gain. Um, it's definitely on, on the open ocean. Um, so I asked two questions and, and, or I asked one question and the two lessons that that Japanese delegation told me is they learned two things from that earthquake is one of which is they, they had no modeling that went, that, that modeled an earthquake of that magnitude. And two um, is that if more people took the, the warning sign seriously, it probably would have saved more people's lives. Oh, wow. But, you know, things like the, the, uh, um, the, the tsunami warnings is some people didn't, you know, it happens, right? And people didn't respond to it um, with the seriousness that they should have. Fast forward to October 27th, I think it's 2012. It's the Haida Gwaii earthquake. Um, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to keep the story short, but we, we as a community, like council, the, 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 the paid staff at the time, we, we'd had discussions that, hey, if something devastating happened, uh, and if, again, Tofino is quite remote, is we often thought, well, you know, I bet you we'll be on our own to deal with this. You know, like, it's not, it's not like the, the province or somebody could be immediately there to our assistance. So when this earthquake happens, you know, I get a call from Eric is, is, is when you're a small town, Eric was both the emergency manager and the fire department and a few other <laughs> roles. You know, he calls and he goes like, are you, are you looking at this? And meanwhile, you know, I, I have the alert on my phone and I'm going, yeah. And, and anyways, it's, it's serious, right? It's a, it's a 7.7 .7 earthquake, um, the second largest recorded at the time in Canada. And, and we're, you know, we're watching this closely. Um, you know, Eric gets on, on the horn with emergency management BC. There is no answer. <laughs> Um, anyway, so at that time, fast forward through the event is we, we eventually make the call to activate the system, right, which is the sirens go off. Um, we had a system called one call. 
So if you subscribe to it, it, it basically calls every phone in the community immediately and, and we evacuated the town, um, which maybe some mayors, people, <laughs> like, I, that's one of the things that I've done. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you know, it, tur it turned out that, that, that no devastating wave was, was generated. So, you know, we were, we were all good, but it was, um, it was safe, you know, safer than sorry. Um, so again, learned lots of great things about uh, uh, being part of that uh, community. That's incredible. I just, I was going to say, I, I could, I just love listening to your stories. I, I love hearing how, um, how involved you are in the community, but how um, encompassing you are in some of these things. And, and yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's amazing. So um, it's the, uh, so you obviously did some time working uh, as a, as a mayor probably a few other bits and bobs but um your your role at csa then started uh about 2018 was there much in uh, i mean you took some time time out but you well, came I, back I, it's, it's funny and i you know i got i got no um problem sharing this because you know each one of us in life you know we've all got our journeys right we've mm -hmm. all got our stories you, you navigate you navigate good times you navigate bumpy times and so on you know i i had a few things and again you know in, in an effort to, to be a little bit concise in, in my storytelling you know, so I, I was involved in Tofino. Um, then, you know, had some uh, a change in my family situation um, that that you know meant that I, I kind of I moved around a little bit. But again, I took I took some other you know contract work, which provided me cool opportunities um, and and opportunities for growth. Um, did that, um, and then I well shared this part of the story. And then I had a, a well, I mean, I I got involved in healthcare. You know, so my community service in Tofino. Um, kind of that combined with my hotel experience got me, I, I ran the largest uh, um, seniors community in, in the province in a place called Comox, um, which again was a great, uh, a, a great learning experience. Like I, I, you know, I ran what, what in the province of BC is called a campus of care. So, um, you know, without being a hospital, it, it, it required people, you know, there were people that were paladin on one end of the scale down to people that that um, basically bought a, a accommodation and a meal package, right? Like that required no care. And that was an interesting learning experience yet again, like at a whole other level. Then, then I had quite a life-changing uh, event. Uh, I, I, I dealt with cancer. I, I had large B-cell lymphoma. Um, I apologize. That's okay. It, uh, Take your time. It always strikes a nerve. But uh, anyways, when I went through that, it, that that totally came to a head like you know like came to you know an emergency like I went through the chemotherapy which ultimately cured my cancer but it came to a head the chemotherapy that I had that cured me almost killed me um and it it, it, meant, it meant I ended up in a serious way in a, in a hospital um you know like in a real serious way anyways when I started to to get through that I remember sitting in the hospital bed ah, you know what <laughs> If I could find a way with the right opportunity for me to get back to the ski industry and get back to being on, on the side of a hill, that, that I want to do it. Because life, life's too short to not um, do what you want. Well, hey there. Thanks for hanging out with us on this episode of Legends of the Brand. And thank you very much for sticking around to the very end. I wonder if I could ask one other favor, though. If you felt so inclined, please head to buymeacoffee.com 
forward slash LOTB. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash LOTB. And there gives you the opportunity to support the work that we're doing here on Legends of the Brand and to continue to get the guests and insights, which hopefully you'll find enjoyable. Anyway, I look forward to speaking with you soon, hopefully in person, but if not, on another episode of Legends of the Brand.